You're listening to Feed, Play, Love, a podcast that's all about supporting parents as they bring up children. We've got experts and advice to help you through the more challenging bits of parenting. I'm Siobhan Hunt. When you became a mother, how much responsibility did you feel? I felt a huge weight. Sometimes I still do. Not just a responsibility to raise my children well, but to love and nurture them as a mother should. But how much does our ability to love come from how we were loved ourselves? How much of that responsibility comes from an innate love for our child and how much is from the expectations of others? These are all ideas that author Ashley Aldrain explores in her debut novel, The Push. Ashley, welcome to Thieve Play Love. Oh, thank you, Siobhan. I'm so happy to be here. You started writing this when your son was only six months old. That can be a very intense period of motherhood. Was it challenging to write at that time? You know, it's interesting. I, for the first six months, I felt in such a fog for many reasons, as many, <laughs> yes. many new mothers do. Um, and there was really something about that mark in time where I felt the fog lift a little and sort of started to get my bearings again is, is probably the way, best way to put it. Um, and at that time, I think I, you know, had then had sort of six months of, you know, mothering under my belt and sort of realized, you know, you give so much as a mother and, you know, you give your time and your energy and your identity is very much, you know, changed through that process as well. And that really made me sort of take a look at who I wanted to be, what I wanted to do with those precious hours (laughs) that were left to myself and that, you know, precious brain space that was left. Um, And it was just so clear to me that I wanted to be writing. And so I felt a real sort of surge of creative energy around that time um, and was really kind of inspired to write despite being, you know, completely exhausted and life being very chaotic with a six months old. But um, what was important to me at that time was, you know, really communicating that to my partner so that, you know, he was really clear that that was important to me and it was a priority for me and then really making it a priority myself. And, you know, we were very lucky around that time to have start to get some childcare help, um, you know, like part-time babysitting during the week. And I made the choice to devote those hours to writing, you know, instead of running the errand or making the social plans, just really committing to writing during that time as a kind of a way to hold myself accountable and kind of, you know, make clear to everybody else that that was a priority to me. Um, And Mm. so that's sort of what I did with those hours. I found it really hard to write during nap time and very difficult to stay awake past, you know, my child going to bed. I was sort of going to bed when the baby was was in bed. So there wasn't a lot of time. Otherwise, I couldn't just couldn't kind of wrap my head around writing in those other hours. And so, you know, that makes for a very long process of writing a book because (laughs) I was not, you know, the, the greatest writers in the world will tell you to write every day. And that's always the advice. And that was just not not in the cards for me, but I could think about the book every day and I could, you know, Mm. mull over the plot and I could think through the characters. And sometimes, you know, in those early days of motherhood, that was as nourishing as sitting down at the keyboard, you know, to write a thousand words. So I Mm. thought about the book every day. I wrote when I could. And three years later, (laughs) so (laughs) not a fast process, but three years later, there was something resembling a draft (laughs) of the book. But the thing I find really interesting about this book is where you are at emotionally, because 
um, I can't imagine you would have felt too separate from your characters at the time because you're going through such very, very similar times of life. But you also go to some really dark places in this book. You have a lot of realism in there. Was that ever difficult to rewriting? You know, it's so interesting. I, it's funny, looking back, I don't remember it being, you know, like a painful process to write. I think, I think because I was in the thick of so much um, in those kind of early days of motherhood, you know, I had some of my own kind of challenges with motherhood and, you know, on top of just, you know, the regular, <laughs> the regular new motherhood stuff, I personally found kind of writing through a lot of that, you know, very cathartic in a way. And I, looking back, I didn't really realize it at the time, but looking back, I think the fact that I went to such a dark place was almost maybe my kind of subconscious way of, you know, understanding that it could always be worse in a way, you know, kind of looking at, <laughs> yes. kind of looking at that, those dark questions. I mean, but I, you know, I really think it's, it's, you talked about kind of that, um, you know, the book certainly goes to some very dark places, but, um, but there is so much of that realism and sort of that, um, you know, now that the book is sort of starting to go out into the world, I've heard from so many readers, which has been, you know, wonderful. And so many, parents and mothers are saying to me there was so much in the book that they could relate to you know and I and I think you know most of the book is sort of these scenes that I think mothers can sort of find glimpses of themselves in even though you know their scenario is not as drastic as the main character in the book Blythe and I think it's because I was writing during that time and so I was there was so much that I was pulling from um, you know, in my own life, like, you know, seeds of thought, the you know, things in my own life, or, you know, friends that were having babies at that time. And I was just so immersed in it. And so I think that kind of shows up on the page through a lot of the book. Certainly there are, there, there are, you know, this, this is fiction. So there, there are some extreme yes. scenarios, but um, yeah, I think that's maybe part of it. I mean, one, one of the perhaps uh, uncomfortable things that this book looks at is whether nurturing, loving, and selfless behavior is something we're taught, something that's within us, and or, you know, is it something that's biological or is it the expectations of others? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm curious, having read the book, I don't know which side you fall on. Mm-hmm. I think I'm, I'm glad to say you weren't sure after reading the book what side no, I fall on. No, I wasn't sure. That's good because I, I did want the book. I did. I, I, I believe that that is a gray area. And I think that I think that's evident in the book because, you know, I think some readers, um, you know, will read it and, and kind of relate to more of the innate, you know, side of perspective on it. And then, you know, others will relate, you know, to the other to the other side of it that, you know, we have to learn how to have this behavior. And if we don't have the model of it, it's very difficult to embody it in ourselves. And so, you know, as from my perspective, I mean, I, I, I think it is I think that the you know remarkable thing about the whole journey of motherhood is that it is both I think it's both both play into mm. it and you know it's always struck me as such a fa- motherhood in general the decision for a woman to want to become a mother has always struck me as you know when you really kind of step away from it as just a wild thing because you know <laughs> you, you decide to go into it you know knowing you will be changed on the other side you know knowing that life is going to look very different completely unsure whether that, you know, natural ability is going to come to you or not. I mean, you can have a hunch, but you really don't know until you go through that experience. And you also have no idea who that child is going to be. 
you know, mm. and what it's going to be like to raise them. And, and yet so many women do it. <laughs> and, it and it's almost like, you know, if you were to kind of strip away that, you know, put that in any other scenario, it's probably a bet that you wouldn't take with your life, you know, if someone <laughs> proposed that to you. And that that has always kind of struck me as something just so fascinating. And so, you know, certainly not everybody is meant to be a mother, we know that and not everybody wants to be a mother, of course. And it's sort and so I think, you know, every I think women are, are, you know, each sort of at their own place with that when they enter into motherhood. And so I think it's a bit of both. I mean, we know there are women and, you know, parents who have gone through very challenging upbringings or who don't have that, you know, mother or maternal figure in their life at all. And they turn out to be just absolutely exceptional mothers, you know, and we know the opposite is true as well. So I think it's really something that, you know, we, we don't really know until we're, until we're in it. And, and I think even when you are in it, it's very interesting to take a look at your own relationship with motherhood and, you know, try to identify what, you know, what you take from the women who came before you, um, both kind of inherited and learned and what path you might be forging for yourself in that role. So it's, it's quite interesting. There's a scene in the book where Blythe goes to an exhibition of children, I believe, who are criminals or mm-hmm. have done bad things. Um, her husband, Fox, he kind of rolls his eyes when he reads about the exhibition and she sneaks off and sees it. But it's very clear that Fox, her husband, doesn't think that a child could be evil or that a child could be manipulative. Mm-hmm. And um, I know that on a general scale, I don't like the idea or I don't like calling children manipulative. I feel like there's always mm-hmm. a, mostly a developmental reason for why they do stuff. Um, but that's an idea that you play with throughout the book that it's it's really uncomfortable. People do not like to think that a child can be born evil. How, can you answer that question without giving away the book in terms of <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I know we will be careful of spoilers, but yeah, I I mean again, that's a that's a question that I have very much been interested in and wanted to explore through writing. And you know, I thought about that a lot when I was pregnant, just this idea. I mean, maybe I think a lot of us sort of do. You have this, you know, seed of thought or this kind of niggling, you know, question of who will this child be? And you know, what if they are not the good person that I assume they will be? And if they are not, when does that reveal itself? And, and how did they get that way? And when I hear something on the news, or, you know, read something of a person who has done another person harm, tragically or otherwise, and you just I my mind sort of always goes to that person's parents, and kind of wondering who were who are those parents if you know if they were present in the life of that child biologically or you know not did those parents believe there was something in their child that could do that was there any part of them that knew was there any part of them that was surprised by what had happened and also you know if they did believe that about their child would they have said anything would would you mm. ever act on that you know those are such interesting kind of philosophical questions to me and i think of course we we all want to believe that that a child would never have that in them. But we know things can happen. And we also know that children grow up to be <laughs> to be adults where, you know, we, we would believe that that, you know, that they could do something like that. And so what point does that come into that person? What point does that person become capable of doing something that, you know, you would consider terrible or evil? You know, somebody had, who had read the book had said there's parts in the book <laughs> that, you know, are uncomfortable. And they had read that and then thought, wasn't that far away from, an experience that they had had on the playground when their child bit somebody, 
you know, and they, yes. they could not believe that their child would do that. We all know that children do this kind of thing all the time. And there are all sorts of very healthy developmental reasons why children do certain things with their bodies or to other people there, you know, that we, we know that this is a part of kind of them, you know, asserting control over themselves and others. And that's all very natural. But I think as a parent, it does kind of make you catch your breath for a moment and think just for that one split second, you might kind of have this thought like, oh my goodness, it it can be kind of a hard pill to swallow when something like that happens. So, you know, again, certainly some extreme situations in the book, but it's not that many steps away from just that feeling, you know, when you wish your child Mm. didn't say something or do something in the playground. Well, it kind of leads me to this idea. I feel like parenting today, there's this underlying idea that we can future proof our children Mm. against any kind of pain or hardship in the future and tied to that idea that we have the power to build these incredible humans who will not suffer at all um, is the idea that we as parents are ultimately responsible for how our children turn out no matter what we do Mm -hmm. and um, I'm wondering if that's that seems to be part of The question for Blythe, particularly as she goes on to have a second child that, um, actually, we haven't really explained much about the storyline, but let's Mm -hmm. just say Blythe's first child, who's a daughter, there are questions about her capacity for meanness. And then she has a second child, a son, whom she has none of these questions about. And yeah, I'm just wondering what is our influence as parents when we raise our children? Hmm. Yeah, that that is so interesting. And I think, you know, in the book, Blythe, as you said, she she has a very different experience with each of her children, and that she, you know, feels one way very strongly about her first child and her second child. She has this sort of instant connection or instant bond with, and she seems to feel very confident about the future of that child or her relationship, at least with that child. Whereas, you know, there, there's so much fear kind of attached to her relationship with her first child, with her daughter. And yeah, I think that that sense of I think it kind of, again, ties back to that sense of not really, you know, there's so much that's out of our control when we're parenting. And I think we like to feel like we have more control than we have about everything related to raising our children. You know, like I was just talking about, you know, children behaving ways that you don't feel comfortable with, but like you want so much control over how your children behave and who they turn out to be, all of that. And so I think that the character in the book, Blythe, she really goes through this process of sort of having to let go of this expectation that she had of her daughter and how much she was going to be able to influence that and the kind of daughter she was going to have and the kind of mother she was going to be. Um, You know, Mm -hmm. she goes through such a journey in the book where it is very much kind of all consuming for her in those early years, trying so hard to like find that connection and prove to her husband that she is a good mother and prove to the people around her that she can do this and prove to herself as well. And then, you know, we slowly see her let go. We slowly see her kind of let go of that control when she really starts to realize that ultimately this girl is going to be who this girl is and she and she doesn't have that influence. Well, that's, uh, that's interesting as well because – you definitely do get that sense where she is like, well, she is who she is. But regardless of what happens throughout that process, even towards the end, you still manage to capture this idea of a mother's love. And it's something that I used to say, it sounds very heartless, but I would say when you become a parent, you don't have a choice 
of whether you love your child or not. You mm-hmm. just love them. Mm-hmm. Um, so we can talk about falling in love with people or friends or partners or whatever, and that you can fall in and out of love. But I don't feel you have a choice with your children. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but it's just mm-hmm. an interesting an interesting way to understand how we feel about our kids because I really feel that the character Blythe struggles so much with the girl she has given birth to Mm -hmm. and yet she still write you still write about how she um remembers the smell of her skin or how her hair felt and this is further down the line when they're not close um Mm -hmm. and I'm wondering if that was intentional on your part as well yeah I think so and I um I think I think it does come back to that you know central question in the book about kind of that those expectations of how you're going to feel and you you have this expectation that you are of you of course you're going to love your child I mean you sort of you go into motherhood assuming that will be the case you know love your child and like your child which are you know could be two different things of course and so um yeah I think that you know she she does go through this process where you know there's there's so much back and forth in Blythe's mind about how much is very real about who she believes her daughter to be, you know, the hard parts to accept and how much is, you know, really kind of in her mind or part of her own maternal anxiety that she has always had about motherhood because of the history of mothers that she come from and, you know, what women in her past have struggled from. And so I think there's a lot of back and forth in Blythe's mind through the whole book. And I think, you know, I've kind of heard from readers, which I'm very happy to hear that, that there is this ambiguous kind of thread that goes through the book and that as the reader you're sort of trying to kind of decide where Blythe's mental state is really at in terms of you know how much she relates to her daughter and who her daughter really is and it's funny you know we do we do feel this you know to what you were saying about this kind of responsibility to sort of love your child for the overwhelming majority of us you know we we have that love and it's not difficult to find but I think there are cases where women struggle more with with accessing that love with their children the way that they would like to. And I think it kind of comes back to that question of like, what do we really owe our children? What do we, it's again, it's sort of more of a philosophical or ethical question, but like, what do we owe them? Do we owe them complete unconditional love at all times? Um, You know, is there room for anything otherwise? And if there is like under what scenario is that (laughs) it's kind of, it's, you know, again, those are kind of like challenging questions to sort of ask yourself, you know, especially if you're experiencing motherhood, but they're sort of very real questions. I think I should mention, like I did say, it's a novel, it's a psychological thriller. So it's a very Mm -hmm. entertaining book as well as having these, Mm -hmm. um, um, deep questions that you can grapple with along the way. Ashley, thank you so much for speaking with us today. Oh, this has been such a pleasure. It's so much fun to talk about. Thank you, Siobhan. That's Ashley Aldrain. She's the author of The Push. It's out now and you'll find links to where you can find copies of the book in the notes of this episode. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. I'd love to hear from you, so if you'd like to get in touch, email me at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.